Hey guys, welcome back on the Macro Compass. This is Alf speaking. The title of the article today is Nothing Else Except Macro Matters. And I hope the Metallica will be okay with me borrowing one of their most famous songs titles. But it is true indeed, nothing else except macro matters here. There were three important pieces of economic data released over the last week. Interestingly, one is a leading indicator. The other one is a coincidental lagging indicator. The last one is a lagging indicator. The NFIB survey was a leading indicator. The jobs report, the labor market report is a coincident and inflation is a lagging indicator. And the picture couldn't be any clearer. Inflation, the lagging indicator, is the one who's accelerating the most to the upside still. The labor market, coincident to slightly lagging indicator of economic growth, is holding on okay for now. And the NFIB survey of uh, 800 small companies in the US, a leading indicator, is flashing red. So in this article, we'll have a quick look at uh, these three indicators and then discuss opportunities in each of the four big macro asset classes out there and try to answer the same question for each one of them. Time to go long, time to go short, or time to go fishing. Before we start, I'd like to take a second to thank you all, guys. The Macro Compass is up to 70,000 macro enthusiasts and investors. Sharing this journey with you has been a real, real pleasure. You guys have been great in supporting me. And actually to try and uh, deliver something else for you, I want you to know I'm working on interactive tools to screen markets and size positions. I want you to have access to these tools and learn how to play with them. Um, I'm working at ETF portfolios that are backed by my macro models. I'm working at courses. They will cover everything in global macro, monetary mechanics, portfolio management, risk management, basically the attempt at creating a so big time missing global macro university. I will be announcing quite some stuff in Q4, so expect plenty of fireworks. In the meantime, if you want to support the Macro Compass, the best thing I can ask you to do is to please tell a friend or a colleague and share the Macro Compass in your social network. Anyway, back to, uh, to the game. Out of the three indicators, the CPI report, the lagging indicator, once again, the inflation momentum is accelerating and inflationary pressures are broadening. The CPI report, which we just received a 9.1% year-on-year CPI, actually showed that uh, also the percentage of US CPI components, which are seeing a year-on-year price increase above 4%, has reached a new record at 75% of the components of the CPI basket are now reaching this threshold. The Fed won't be happy about that. The Fed won't be happy about the momentum of inflation not decelerating, but CPI is a lagging indicator. So let's look at the labor market report. Labor market is a coincident to slightly lagging indicator of economic growth. It's holding on okay. Once again, the headlines were um, kind of fireworky uh, headlines, uh, all rosy and nice. But if you look at revisions and if you look at the fact that the labor force shrank by 350,000 people, the um, basically the employment to population ratio in what's called the prime age bracket, 25 to 55 years old, has uh, started to fall down. And uh, in past peaks of economic cycles, 2000, 2007, for example, this ratio reached 80% and then started to decline. And when it started to decline, the following 12 to 18 months have never been um, a very happy period for global growth. And we had, for the first time, a decline below 80% this time as well. So the labor market so far is holding on okay, but there are already some preliminary signs of unease, as it should be for a coincident to slightly lagging indicator. The third one is the National Federation of Independent Business Survey, NFIB, that was bad, really bad. This survey has a decent predictive um, value, 
and uh, ability over GDP, over employment, over economic growth over the next few quarters. And actually, the results were dismal. We had one of the basically the worst trading in over 45 years. If you look at the diffusion index, which is built with answers to the question, which asks these companies, what is the outlook for business conditions over the next six to 12 months? The diffusion index derived from answers to this question was the worst over the last 45 years. Now, this is, look, this is not looking pretty, um, and this is the leading indicator we should actually focus on to understand how one of the leading indicators that we should focus on to understand how the global economic growth will do over the next six to 12 months, and the picture isn't looking nice. Now, what does this mean for each of the big four macro asset classes? Now, be ready, guys. I'll uh, basically mention each of the four. I'll talk about three points per each asset class, and then go with a long, short, or go fishing call with investable ideas through ETFs and futures where available. Let's start from bonds. There I'm long the 10-year plus part of the bond curve, both in the US and in Europe. The ETFs to do so in the US are TLT and EDV, and in Europe, MTH could be one good ETF together with IGBL, as already talked about. If you're a tactical or a pro investor, you can do futures, two stands flatteners in the US and two fives flatteners in Europe with shots and bubble are looking extremely attractive. I will put out an article later on describing how do you put on these trades for people that are not already at this level. But you can simply also buy TLT or MTH, for example, as ETFs to benefit from that. Why? Because the long end of the bond yield market reflects expectation for future growth, inflation, and a term premium. And now, the Federal Reserve is focusing on a lagging indicator, which is inflation. They will be keeping a very tight stance and extend the duration and the magnitude of this economic slowdown. This will compound the expectation that growth and inflation will remain low and increase the probability that this happens. And so short-term bond yields might be pinned close to where the Fed sort of commands them to be with their forward guidance, as long as they keep hiking. But long-end bond yields will reflect the dynamics of a slowing inflation and slowing growth for an extended period of time. Yesterday's rally in TLT, after a 9.1% CPI, should tell you everything you need to know. It's time to be long bonds here. Equities, there I'm short. Um, in, in the US, you can buy RWM, that's a short Russell ETF. In EU, you can buy BSX, which is basically a short Eurostox ETF. So what I'm looking to do here is to be short cyclical earnings-driven uh, equity sectors. Also for tactical pro recommendations, short two times Russell 2000, long one time the Nasdaq is another relative value trade that captures both being long equities net-net, but also a potential relative value play I will discuss in a second. So the total returns in equities are explained by changes in valuations and changes in earnings per share. And monetary policy became tighter and tighter at the beginning of the year. The economy started rolling over, so valuations have taken a hit already. But earnings are nowhere near pricing the economic slowdown that my forward-looking models are predicting. Way too much optimism out there, which means that if I want to remain short the equity market, which I am, I remain short cyclical indices like the Russell or Eurostox, highly dependent on strong earnings. And I'm trying to capture in a relative value trade where I'm short two times the Russell and long one time the Nasdaq. So keeping the net net short equity position, but trying to capture these relative tailwinds, always relative tailwinds that tech stocks might receive compared to small cap uh, earnings intensive stocks like the one in the Russell. 
if long-end bond yields stop going up, as I expect being the base case at some point. Commodities, I'm leaning short, short, but it's mostly time to go fishing. I guess the opportunity set there is lower than people might expect. Let's talk about them for a second. Gold, so gold is finally experiencing a sustained drawdown. Its negative correlation with moves higher in real yields would have implied that for a while there was a sort of a war premium in gold for a couple of months. It's now um, being removed to a certain extent, but from here it's a tough call because front-end real yields are likely to go up as the Federal Reserve's hikes and inflation expectation actually uh, reduce, but long-end real yields are much more complicated to call here, and gold might have a dependency from those two. So let's say time to go fishing there. Supply-impaired commodities. So that's crude oil, natural gas, agricultural, some of them. They have been hard by the demand slowdown narrative, but actually it's geopolitical developments. They will be responsible for the bulk of the moves going forward. And honestly, I don't have much visibility there. Time to go fishing again. When it comes to industrial commodities, base metals, copper, they're the cleanest expressions of the global demand destruction because the short-term supply chain is much more functional Geopolitics plays a a smaller role, so one could consider shorting them, but at the end of the day, it's just another derivative of a long bond trade with the presence of some undesired risk factors. So if you look at the the copper drawdown observed over the last six months, it generally precedes total returns over 10% for long bonds in the following quarters. So why don't we just buy those instead of trying to uh, double guess and second guess what the other uh, risk drivers for industrial commodities will be over the next six months. I think global long-end bonds are a better expression of the global demand destruction story right here. When it comes to effects, I want to keep leaning long US dollar and US dollar cash, as you have heard me saying for now, what, seven months, I think, and short commodity exporters. That's the new additional layer. So Brazilian real, Australian dollar, uh, the Chilean peso, if you look at effects so far, all energy importers have been highly penalized because even if their central bank has attempted to tighten policy to support the currency, actually they were facing a typical emerging, emerging market external shock where the terms of trade worsen materially and actually policymakers can do much about it. That's the situation of the euro today. But again, geopolitics at the forefront, if there was some sort of a deal or a, or a solution to the Ukraine-Russia war, the situation will quickly change. So I don't want to touch the euro right here time to go fishing again. When it comes to commodity exporters, Brazil, uh, Australia, Chile, they've had a quite brilliant first half of the year. But what happens when commodity prices start dropping? Global trade slow down too. Well, you know, the nominal value of your uh, currency receipt, external currency receipt, because your commodities are sold in dollars, actually goes down. Your currency weakens. And if you have to service liabilities in a strong currency, ah, that becomes a problem, which brings me to the US dollar wrecking ball. Why is the US dollar appreciating so quick? There are over 12 trillion dollar denominated liabilities, debt basically, which is issued by foreign entities. They have no direct access to dollar liquidity if not from trades and global economic activity. But guess what happens when the party stops? Well, it becomes tougher to repay your dollar liabilities, deleveraging happens and a dash for dollar cash is what we are seeing right now. Now, this was all for today, guys. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for more articles. I know you have asked me to do deep dives on each single asset class, to talk about portfolio management, risk management techniques, to talk about the the ETF portfolios. 
to continue the educational pieces on functioning of the monetary system and the bond market. I'll do all of that. Just stick with me and uh, this is going to be fun. Last but not least, if you're interested in you know partner, partnering up with me, sponsorship, consulting services, reach out at themacrocompass at gmail.com. And thank you again for supporting me, for listening to, uh, to these episodes and reading The Macro Compass. We'll be talking again next week.